Good morning, noon, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening to this podcast. We are taking a break from our regular episodes. Steven is welcoming a new member into his family, and that whole endeavor seems a lot more important than comics. And I, being single and childless, could not relate, so I will be talking about comics. And we're just giving John the day off, I guess. He's earned that. <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about Guru Hero. Guru Hero is of quite a bit of interest to me as somebody who is really into like Japanese comics and anime. Manga is Japanese comics. I think the story of them working primarily in American comics is interesting. That story itself is pretty short. It There is not like a big history of them working in Japanese manga before making the jump over here. They kind of started working directly out of the gate with American comics, specifically with Marvel. And that is interesting to me. Part of why I have such an interest in Gurihiru is because of my interest in both, you know, American and Japanese comics. I think there's a very interesting overlap that's happening, like, very recently, within, like, the last 10 years. We're seeing, like, a lot of influence over there and back here, right? A couple artists that kind of come to mind are Yusuke Murata, who does the art for the One Punch Man manga, not the webcomic, who is a pretty big fan of Marvel Comics, and I think DC Comics to some extent. He's done some variant covers or some art for Marvel, primarily Spider-Man as I have understood, I think Wolverine. I think if I was to venture a guess, I would think that comes from the Marvel vs. Capcom line of games. And Kohei Horikoshi is another big name when it comes to superhero and manga. He's the creator of the My Hero Academia series, and there's quite a bit of influence there. Right, it's very much a Japanese take on superheroes with them being in high school, but you can definitely see a lot of similarities. I think the one that jumps out the most is probably Deku's current power set, which includes like some sort of like venom like webbing that he can use to like swing around and capture people and stuff like that. So, very much like in that line, and I think some of the more recent interpretations of Deku kind of lean a lot into like the batman spawn type of camp there was also an attack on titan anthology for comics for like american comic creators who did some interpretations of the attack on titan work and these include some pretty notable names including scott snyder Raphael albuquerque michael avon oming gail simone and just a tons more. And so they did kind of their own takes on that. And I think even more directly connected to the podcast on Marvel, we've seen the Infinity Comics, which are kind of an adaptation of the format that's become really popular in Korea. And it's not just Marvel that's done that. It's also been DC. DC has worked primarily on the platform that those Korean comics are found, which is Webtoons. That's where one of their more popular comics the Batman family adventures or whatever it's called, that's where that lives. So that influence is going both ways. But we're not really here to talk about all of that. We're here to talk about Guru Hero. Guru Hero 
is a duo from Japan, originally from Sapporo, but they're based in Saitama. Gurihiro is also known as like illustrator unit Gurihiro or Gurihiro Studios. Over here in the West, we just know them as Gurihiro. It's two people, uh, two women, Shifuyu Sasaki, who tends to work on the pencils and inks, and Naoko Kawano, who does the colors and the web design. Or, well, she does the colors. She also does web design. And they both draw digitally. Sasaki tends to draw first, and Kawano tends to do the colors after that. They do a lot of collaboration, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But I do want to talk a little bit about their history in comics first. They originally wanted to do manga and entered a art contest for a publisher and lost. But the publisher suggested they try American comics. So they did. They reached out. C.B. Sobolski from Marvel reached out and offered them a spot, asked them who they wanted to draw. If there was a hero that interested them. They said the Fantastic Four and they worked on an anthology series with the Fantastic Four. That was their first ever comic that they drew. I think apart from whatever they entered from that manga contest, unless it was just art, that was the first comic that they drew professionally or kind of completely. That comic was a March 2003 Marvel double shot issue number three. They did eight pages in that anthology series. They then went on to do a ton of power pack, so much power pack. I cannot name all of them, but I will name most of them. They did a power pack, they did X-Men and Power Pack, Fantastic Four and Power Pack, Iron Man and Power Pack, Scrolls vs. Power Pack, Wolverine and the Power Pack, Thor and the Warriors 4. Plot twist, the Warriors 4 are the Power Pack. So that was a lot of the work that they were doing for Marvel. They kind of blew up shortly after that when they started doing some work for Avatar. In 2009, they were published in Nickelodeon Magazine doing a couple short stories. And a few years after that, in 2012, they went on to do the Avatar graphic novels. They worked on those for about six years and, you know, eventually stopped. I think that's been handed over to different teams, different writers and artists. But they were the ones to kind of help launch that off. That's where I became acquainted with them. That's kind of for me when I fell in love with their art style. I thought it was a really good fit. I really enjoyed what they did. Shortly after that, again, they went back to Marvel. Or I think they stayed with Marvel for a lot of the time. They were just not pushing out as much. They worked on Unbelievable Wenpool with Christopher Hastings in 2016. They did a few things then after Marvel Rising was a short series based on the TV show, which is a teen girl team. They worked on Unstoppable Wasp, kind of keeping up with that theme. And then after that, worked on Spider-Man and Venom Double Trouble with Mariko Tamaki. They have continued to, and I think are still working with Mariko Tamaki, on a couple other series. A few of the Double Trouble series, I think that's what they all are. That includes Thor and Loki Double Trouble, and Peter Parker and Miles Morales, like a Spider-Man Double Trouble, all those written by Mariko Tamaki. And in the middle of all that, they also worked on the It's Jeff Infinity comic with Kelly Thompson. It's Jeff, Unstoppable Wasp, Unbelievable Gwenpool, I believe are all in our list. I think we've done episodes for at least the first trade for most of those, or all of those that I mentioned. So if you want more of our thoughts on the art style and kind of the narrative and character work or character acting that they do, feel free to listen to those podcasts. You can find them on the list on the website. 
And because of that, I'm not really going to talk a whole lot about like the specifics of their art. Kind of going to keep talking a little bit more about their story and their collaboration. So in between all of that Marvel stuff, in 2019, they did a series with DC Comics called Superman Smashes the Clan by Gene Luen Yang, which is really an adaptation of like an old 1940s, 50s, like radio show of Superman versus the KKK. And this was kind of a modern retelling of it or a modern interpretation. I believe it still takes place in like that era. And that also kind of helped them to blow up. Most recently, they have kind of started leaning a little bit back into like Japanese work. They did some side story work, which they also wrote and didn't just do the art for the Ultraman, the mystery of Ultra 7, which is published by Marvel. They did a little bit kind of the fill in the backfill for those comics. And I think they're still doing some work for that. And last year it was announced that they were going to be the artists with writer Samuel Satin on an upcoming manga called Unico Awakening, which is a reimagination of the cat on the broomstick from Osamu Tezuka's also titled Unico Comic. Tezuka Productions launched this Kickstarter which was funded in a day. And the manga will be produced in both English and Japanese, which I think is fantastic. And that's really interesting to see them kind of get back and being able to work on manga after they were initially rejected from working on manga and working with, you know, Western American comics for just over two decades at this point. Interestingly enough, for Guri Hiru, even though they entered a manga art contest and immediately started working with Marvel after that, they were not comic artists. Even though they have gone on record as saying that they were pretty influenced by Spawn, because apparently Spawn sold fairly well in Japan after it was translated, and it was available in bookstores, they learned a lot on the job. They received a lot of feedback from editors at Marvel, and through their collaboration with one of them staying kind of squarely in the inks and pencils, and the others staying doing mostly colors, they've kind of worked together to really improve. They kind of learned on the job, they weren't taught, and their influence from Spawn really doesn't come from the art style. It comes from the difference in structure of comics. Japanese manga tends to be pretty straightforward when it comes to panels and layout. And the Spawn comics, especially some of the early ones, are not that straightforward right we see a lot of interesting panel work a lot of kind of breaking the panels and extending and doing a lot of full art and on top of that american comics are done in colors and are worked on by a team something which isn't that typical of japanese manga a lot of japanese mangas tend tends to be done by a single artist and if the work blows up and they are kind of consistent enough they will hire other people to help them you know, publish their manga weekly, but a lot of those assistance and help kind of goes uncredited more often than not. You would never really see other people's names on a manga apart from the original creator, which is kind of a pretty big difference. So because of that collaboration, American comics tend to be pretty different in a lot of different ways, since an artist can focus on just, you know, being artistic with panel work and colors and and character acting. Not to say that manga suffers from it, but it's just a difference in comic culture. 
this is me editorializing a little bit because actually a lot of this uh, episode is probably me editorializing a little bit because I don't have a lot of sources. A lot of this just comes from what I've gleaned in reading and consuming both mediums for so much of my life. So I could very well be wrong about some stuff in here when I'm talking about the culture between the comics, between American and Japanese comics. But it is interesting to see that they were influenced by that quite a bit. On top of that, they were also pretty influenced by Disney animation. When asked in a 2022 interview with the website Sketched, they talk a lot about how they were influenced by animation from Disney. They used to watch it a lot. And because of the still nature of comics and, you know, that type of art, they found that they really wanted to push a lot of a character's character, essentially, through character acting. So poses and a lot of that stuff that, you know, we tend to talk pretty highly of, of theirs. And, I mean, they even mentioned that one of them used to work for a public stage company for, like, lighting some props. And that's probably where some of the acting influence comes from, from the actors that they saw while they were working there. And so I thought that was, like, really interesting because that is one of the things that we praise about. And I don't think we've ever considered on the podcast that that sort of acting could come from the stage, which is kind of ironic because both Steven and I come from a bit of an acting background in the college years and before that. I also mentioned that they were influenced by Spawn and mostly from like the layouts and the type of comics that American comics tend to be. And when they were asked about that in that same interview, they kind of talked a lot about how they don't understand how their art style is so happy and joyous and upbeat because they have mentioned in other interviews and this one that they're pretty big fans of horror movies and so that tends to be a lot of their art style but they kind of come out doing these vibrant and like really cute comics and they mention that as a strength and one of their weaknesses because they don't know how to not make something cute and adorable <laughs> and so so they kind of just speculate a little bit that it's that's kind of what they like to see as well as like their horror stuff that they enjoy consuming. But in a different interview back in like 2016 with Barnes & Noble, they talk about how they do have a bit of an influence from like comic strips and newspapers. They don't specify if it's American comic strips or Japanese newspaper comic strips. I don't even know if Japanese newspapers have comic strips. But they talk about wanting to make people happy. And they want to have an art style that's for all ages and that anybody can consume and enjoy. And so I think that's a big part of it. And I think kind of working together, they, they do that. Another interesting thing about their process that I thought was interesting, and this is specific to the Avatar comic that they worked on, they mentioned how when they were coming out with the books with the smaller individual graphic novels that would later be collected in dark horses library editions which are kind of big hardcover versions that collect the three volumes of their individual graphic novels anyways they mentioned how as they were drawing a lot of this avatar stuff and they had such a big fan base for it that they would actually get onto forums and look at what people were correcting or felt that wasn't in character or just were like little inaccuracies and they would fix those for the library editions. And it's kind of interesting to see that they're so open to feedback, but it makes sense with the way that they collaborate because they talk about how, because they've been friends for so long, 
they're pretty verbal with feedback and they are constantly taught telling each other like ways to improve and they're very open about that with each other and their feedback that they received from editors at marvel as they were starting and just a lot of that stuff is really interesting to see that they kind of absorb all of that if you want to know more details about like the way they work together a little bit about a little bit more about their history and specifically about the unico comic that i mentioned a little bit ago they have that interview with sketched sktchd it's from 2022 if you just google sketched guru hero you'll find that it's really interesting and how they talk a lot about how going into this tezuka project they were really concerned about you know their art style not being a replica of osamu tezuka's original art style he is the creator of astro boy just as a point of reference he did quite a few things but he has a pretty notable art style but they were surprised to see that they were accepted by japanese audiences in kind of doing this adaptation and so they're very excited to work on that so they talk quite a bit about that they have some preview pages on that interview that they reference or that the interviewer uh, david harper references and they talk a little bit about how they redesigned some of the characters in their own art style and kind of the thought process into that which is interesting but not very marvel related so we're not going to talk about it here but that's pretty much the story of guri hiru it's pretty straightforward there's not a lot of twists and and surprises but I think it is very interesting to see them doing so well over here that they are now able to do work on like Japanese properties. I briefly mentioned the Ultraman series that Marvel's coming out with and this upcoming Tezuka project. And just over here in the West, I think they're pretty well loved. They did some really great work with Avatar and Superman and just a ton of great work with Marvel. There is a bit of a fluff piece on the Marvel website from earlier this year, March 2023, where they get interviewed. And it's just a bunch of like really like small, like fluff questions. So there's like not a lot of insight where they're asking them, you know, what is your favorite breakfast? What's your morning routine? So on and so forth, whatever. But one of the questions that they ask them is, you know, who is your favorite Marvel character to draw? And their response to that was, it's Jeff. Jeff is their favorite character to draw. And Maybe it's because it was coming out. Maybe it's because there was a new trade coming out for It's Jeff that's collecting, you know, their Infinity Comics stuff that they did for It's Jeff that we recently also looked at on the podcast. But I just think that's kind of adorable. And knowing how much they love horror and how they try to, you know, have joyous comics, a lot of Jeff kind of makes sense knowing that little bit of tidbit of information. Anyways, we'll be back next time with our regular episodes so hopefully you enjoyed this little bit of rambling about the history and works of guru hero and kind of how they got started i can't believe that they've been doing work for 20 years almost specifically for marvel right but just in general and they've done such great things i know i've mentioned a lot of these already but if you want more guru hero works i do recommend the avatar stuff from dark horse and nickelodeon superman smashes the clan from DC Comics and Gene Luan Yang. And definitely it's Jeff. Definitely it's Jeff. Check check out it's Jeff. And the Gwenpool stuff was also really good. Thanks for joining me on this little bit of a tangent. And we'll see you all next time. Bye.